You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Marlins podcast. As always, I'm your host, Aram Layton. I'm a Marlins writer as well as a minor league play-by-play broadcaster. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about the recent trade. I mean, recent within the last 20 minutes with the Marlins going out and getting a bullpen arm from the Dodgers. Dylan Floro heading over to Miami from L.A. going coast to coast. And the Marlins did have to ship out some players that I know some fans were a little bit higher on, or at least with Alex Vesia, who's heading back home where he's originally from on the West Coast, and also throwing in their fifth round pick from this past year, Kyle Hurt, who I've already seen some fans surprised that the Marlins decided to trade their fifth round pick from the draft that just happened before a professional season was even played. But I'll be honest with the Kyle Hurt pick, if you try to remember back even, I think I talked about it when the draft had concluded. I wasn't a huge fan of the Kyle Hurt pick, even in the fifth round. I think he's got crazy reliever risk. I think he's got major command issues, and I'm not that sold on his stuff. So, When you look at the deal from a perspective of getting better this year without really mortgaging the future with any valuable pieces, I think that's fine. I know that Marlins fans have over time gotten a little bit attached to certain players, especially those who overperform in the minor leagues. And Alex Vesia easily overperformed by a good margin in his minor league career. I mean, he put up some of the most incredible scoreless inning streaks we've seen. But at the same time, Alex Vesey is the type of candidate, I think, with what he uses arsenal-wise to dominate through the minor leagues or have more success through the minor leagues and then struggle at the major league level. It's usually guys like that that have really good fastballs. While Vesia doesn't run it up to triple digits, he's in the low 90s, but it has so much life, movement, and spin, and he's able to hide it well that the fastball was a pitch he could lean on pretty heavily. The thing is, in the major leagues, you're going to need more than that, and Vesia just didn't have that secondary pitch that he could count on. I know it was a very, very small sample size in the big leagues, but it just seemed like he was nibbling, and I always had those reservations with Vesia that I'm not sure he was going to be able to put it together in the major league level unless he finds a second true out pitch that he could lean on. So maybe he will find that. Obviously, the Dodgers are willing to bet on his fastball and maybe want to try to develop something there. But what I see is more so the Dodgers just cashing in on ridiculous bullpen depth. I mean, Dylan Floro is far from the best arm in their bullpen, and that's more so just because the Dodgers bullpen is so good. So if you're thin on lefties, which they were in terms of their depth chart in their bullpen, why not just swap out for a lefty with a little bit more upside? And you can give away, I guess, in this instance, which they got a decent return, but you can trade away one of your many bullpen arms that aren't quite in the high leverage range for you to go get some more left-handed help out of the pen. And I'm sure they think that they can develop Vesia, and there's a chance they can. But for the Marlins, they needed to go into the season with a little bit more certainty around their bullpen. And Vesia was far from a sure thing. Kyle Hurt has a lot to figure out before he's going to be a major leaguer. He does throw hard. He does flash plus with his secondary stuff, but the fastball is incredibly flat, and he just has not been able to command his stuff realistically, Hurt was looking like a reliever at best that you know could run it up and if he develops the right way, could be a, a back-end reliever. But that's going to be in a long, long time. So if we're talking about 
what the Marlins needed to do here. They needed to go get a high floor reliever with some veteran experience. But Floro, if you look at his career numbers, they're very solid. If you look at the 2020 numbers, they're even better. And something that stands out to me with Floro is the fact that one, he gets a ton of ground balls and a ton of weak contact. But why was he better? In 2020, he actually made a change with his pitch usage. He did not really have a changeup in the past, only threw it about 2 or 3% of the time most seasons. Then this past year, really honed in on that changeup and turned it into a very good pitch. Historically for Floro, he mainly just leaned on the sinker and the slider, and that's why he was able to get really high ground ball rates and just pitch to weak contact, which the Marlins clearly like. They had Brandon Kinsler last year, Anthony Bass gets a lot of ground balls. Adam Seinberg, who was added this offseason, is a ground ball pitcher. Even when we look at Richard Blyer, who was acquired during last season, another ground ball pitcher, that's the Marlins mold right now. With this ownership, this front office, they like the ground ball guys in Marlins Park. And I get it. The only exception is Yimmy Garcia, who benefits a lot more from the large park because he's able to get away with some of the balls that would sneak out and become home runs. He can keep them in the yard at Marlins Park. But for the most part, the Marlins seem to really like those ground ball pitchers. So Floro fits right in. But the thing is, Floro was able to get a lot more swings and misses this past year because of that changeup. The issue for him in the past was he was mostly sinker slider and against left-handed hitters, he wasn't able to get those guys out as much. In 2020, he threw the changeup more than 20% of the time, and opponents hit just a buck 67 against it, and he put up a pretty good 31% whiff rate, making it his best swing and miss pitch. So while his career numbers were more so the pitch to weak contact guy, which I still think bodes really well for a move to Marlins Park. Now he's somebody that gets more swings and misses as well. Let's go through some of the baseball savant uh, data from 2020. Exit velocity, 95th percentile. Expected ERA, 74th percentile. Barrel percentage, 96th percentile. Walk percentage, 94th percentile. So he's not going to walk a lot of hitters either. The Marlins needed somebody like that that's reliable, steady, and can take that seventh inning. When we look at all of the numbers, sure, the K percentage is not quite where you want it to be for what I would presume to be a seventh inning guy for the Marlins, but you know what? He gets weak contact. He got better with the swing and miss stuff, especially against lefties, and now you can count on him more against hitters from both sides of the plate. I think he slides right in to the seventh inning. Yimmy Garcia gets the eighth with the occasional closing opportunity, and Anthony Bass is going to be the closer in the ninth inning. And I know fans might not be thrilled on the idea of selling low on Vessia, but hypothetically speaking, if Vessia continued to struggle at the major league level this coming year, then his value would be even lesser because at that point you'd be pretty convinced that he's a quadruple A guy. There's a chance that Vessia can put it together. His fastball has a lot of life, but the VLO is down. He's more in the low 90s and he doesn't have that second pitch. And the same thing with Hurt. Too many questions around him there. I've seen Marlins fans often discussing, you know, when are the Marlins going to make moves for this team this coming season? And I've said it as well too. Is this a major needle mover? No, but this definitely makes me feel a lot more comfortable about the bullpen heading into the season that you have some reliable arms. Because if some of the younger guys now can pop up and be impact arms, like if Jorge Guzman figures it out, if Jordan Holloway can figure it out, if potentially Zach Pop is 100% healthy and can figure it out. Now that's a bonus, but you don't have to lean on those guys to figure it out because now you've got seven, eight, nine settled here. I would assume Floro, seven, Yimmy Garcia, eight, and then nine, as I said earlier, would be Anthony Bass. Not the best 7-8-9 trio in all of the league. 
not even near probably the top half of the league, but still way, way, way more reliable than it was not long ago. I'm going to talk about what this means for the rest of the Marlins bullpen and what I see the roles looking like moving forward for this season in just a moment, but a reminder that this episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. What a time to get in on the action as we have the NBA season well underway. We've got Major League Baseball on the horizon. College basketball and NHL are in full swing as well, but on BetOnline, you can even bet on award shows, TV shows, reality TV. They've got everything with real-time updated odds and props on literally everything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Best of all, if you go to betonline.ag right now and use a promo code locked on, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your initial deposit. So if you deposit $100 and use that promo code locked on, you get an extra $50 to wager on top of it. It's the best deal that any of our advertisers are offering. That's betonline.ag, promo code locked on. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Also brought to you by our friends at rockauto.com. You know what I'm going to tell you. Why pay 20, 30, or 50% more for the same auto parts when you can just go to rockauto.com and use their easy to navigate website to find whatever car parts you need for any make or model? The chain stores, the car dealerships, they're not looking out for you. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business that has been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. You just go to their website, find the car part you need from their easy-to-navigate catalog. They'll ship it straight to your door. It's so much easier and saves you a lot of time. If you go to RockAuto.com, let them know that Locked On sent you in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. So let's just go through the bullpen real quickly, and as this would somewhat impact this team, I know it's just one move, but now the bullpen probably is what it's going to look like heading into this season. I think when we look at this bullpen right now, there's one glaring hole, and it's the fact that they don't have a true swing and miss guy outside of what James Hoyt was last year, and Yimmy Garcia at times has improved that swing and miss type of stuff. Both Bass and Hoyt had honed in on sliders the last two seasons that have really helped them turn into better swing and miss type of back-end arms. I think Hoyt is still going to have that duty of coming in and trying to get swings and misses for this bullpen and get them out of jams. I do like the fact that Detweiler evens them out a little bit as being able to go get lefties if what Detweiler was able to do last year was a sign of something that he can continue moving forward. But something else worth noting in the swings and misses category where the Marlins can have an internal option that can get them swings and misses outside of some of the prospects that I mentioned is when we look at the rotation, assuming it's going to be what I tweeted out the other day, and if you're not on Twitter, I was mentioning how the Marlins have the youngest average age rotation in all of baseball by a good margin combining for 24 years old. And we know it's going to be Sandy Alcantara at the top. you got Sixto Sanchez, Pablo Lopez. I think Trevor Rogers is going to be in there. Those guys are cemented in there. I think Eliezer Hernandez is probably going to take it too, though I'm sure there'll be an open competition with Nick Neidert. Let's say that Neidert or Edward Cabrera a couple months into the season, ultimately pitch their way into the rotation, whether it's because Cabrera is dominating in the minor leagues, maybe Nider is pitching in AAA and is dominating, or looking good out of the bullpen and the Marlins want to give him a chance, then if you're moving one of those guys into the rotation, somebody's got to go from the rotation. It's not going to be any of the first four guys I mentioned unless Trevor Rogers is struggling, but I think Rogers is going to be really good this year. Eliezer, in my opinion, 
is more so a reliever swingman type of pitcher because you can't put him in for more than five innings. We've seen that. He's mostly a two-pitch guy, so the third time around the lineup, they seem to be very comfortable against him. If he's in a one or two inning role, I think he can start to dial up the velocity a little bit more. His slider is a great pitch. He can start to use that even more so, and I think he could be a very good swing and miss guy for the Marlins bullpen. I think that's something, too, that's worth thinking about because they have so many rotation options to fill in that fifth spot if Cabrera steps up, if Neidert steps up, if Braxton Garrett or even Max Meyer is looking really good and the Marlins want to bring him up into a bullpen opportunity as the Marlins, let's say, they're somewhat competing similar to what we saw with the White Sox and Garrett Crochet. Maybe the Marlins do that if they're flirting with 500 midway through the season and it's a good opportunity for Meyer to get a taste of the big leagues if he's showing that he can go deep into games in the minor leagues and the Marlins feel that he's ready. So there's a lot of options in the future internally to get those swings and misses, but they needed a veteran surefire guy that you could say, okay, seven, eight, nine are accounted for. I would say now it's fair to say that seven, eight, nine, those innings are accounted for. I'd like to see the Marlins potentially look at external options during the season. Again, if they feel like they need to make an addition for another left-handed pitcher, but for now, I think they can get through the year or at least go into the season feeling okay about their left-handed pitcher situation out of the bullpen because you have Richard Blyer, you have Ross Detweiler who found a slider and was better against left-handed hitters, and then also Adam Seimer. While I'm not totally sold on him as a consistent reliever to get righties out, he has really good reverse splits against lefties and will be a guy that can come in and get left-handed hitters out as well. So overall, the Marlins bullpen got a lot better today, and what I'll close with here is that if you're upset with what the Marlins gave up and you also were saying that the Marlins need to do something, then you're just setting yourself up for disappointment because this was the Marlins making a move to try to be better for this coming season. Is it the most exciting move? No, but they don't have to give up any substantial prospects. Sure, they gave up a guy with a little bit of upside in Alex Vesia, but at this point, we don't know. He's a question mark. Kyle Hurt is a question mark, and the Marlins got somebody that is pretty much safe to say will be competitive in the seventh inning or eighth inning for this team when need be. And that's what the Marlins needed. And if fans were talking about needing to make a move for this bullpen as I was, they made the move and they traded some question marks for the future for a legitimate pitcher this coming season that will bolster their bullpen. It's that simple. And if you wanted to see a move for this year, the Marlins did it. They weren't going to do anything crazy. This was a good move. And it's upsetting that it had to be Alex Vesia because I do think that there's some intrigue there. Kyle Hurt, honestly, I don't think it's a big deal for the Marlins. He was an underslot fifth round pick, was probably going to be more in the seven to 10 round range if the Marlins didn't just have a little bit of a specific interest in him and wanted to find an underslot candidate in the fifth round because of the way they had to budget. They only had X amount of money left by the time it got to the fifth round. So I'm not too concerned about what the Marlins gave up. I don't think it's going to burn them much at all. It's nothing like the Nick Whitgren trade where at that point Whitgren was already an established solid reliever. That seemed just like more like a salary dump. I am very fine with this. I like the deal. And it was one that the Marlins needed to make if they weren't going to go out and spend in another direction. This gives them the opportunity to get better without spending money. It's a good deal all around. And I think Marlins fans should be happy about it because it gives them a lot more certainty in the bullpen heading into this coming year. And like I said, he's not the same pitcher he was two years ago. Big part of the reason why he was good this past year 
was that changeup that he had hardly thrown going to throwing it more than 20% of the time. There's a tangible adjustment here. We know that he has made some adjustments that have helped him get better, and he's going to help this team this coming season. As always, thank you for listening. It was exciting to see the Marlins doing something, making a little bit of noise this last week with the Adam Duvall signing and now this trade. It looks like the roster is finally starting to round out, and the Marlins have been making some small improvements that will help them this coming year. So it's great to see that, and I look forward to talking Marlins with you on Monday.